Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and I'm so delighted to be sitting here talking to Jessica Schleif today. Teresa! Jessica! We're in the house! I'm, We're in my house! It's so nice. It is lovely. <laughs> And uh, it, today is, a, is kind of a special show, and I'm really excited to talk to Jessica about it because I've been thinking about this for a while, and we're, we're debating on what to call it. I was, I was leaning towards plants we regret. Regrets, <laughs> I have a few. <laughs> I want to say thank you for um, wanting to share this dialogue with me. Well, I couldn't I was, think I, of anyone better. <laughs> I was joking that, um, as Teresa was saying, plants I regret, I said, plants I'm curious about. <laughs> Yeah, I've yeah, at this point I'm not curious anymore. I just know that I regret. And I know a lot of other people who have plant regrets too. And the the painful thing is sometimes these are plants that we still love. You can love a plant and yet also regret. It's it's, of, it's true. It's, it's like a true. Really bad relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I, we were kind of we've talked about this a little bit yesterday on the phone. Um, you know, the things that that draw us into a plant. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I am the as a a, a consultant mm -hmm. in my consultancy world and my friendship world mm -hmm. in the gardening, uh, in the gardening realm. I'm often pointing these plants out to people. I'm yes. saying, oh, I don't, oh, I'm, mm. and it's really difficult if someone has their heart set on a thing. It is very difficult to say to them, hey, that is really going to spread. That is really going to take a foothold. You might not be able to have other plants around that plant because that seed that, you know, it's going to spread from seed. It's going to spread from side runners. Um, and, and sometimes I, you just have to <laughs> let people go with it. Well, and I just want to be, I, I want to be totally uh, open and say, Jessica said this to me. I want to say it was maybe four years ago. And there's this plant, and I do still love it. It's a Elstromeria mm -hmm. Peruvian lily. Peruvian and I had been, I, I had admired it years ago when we used to do the Manzanita Farmer's Market. Beautiful it's, cut flower. It's so pretty. And Long lasting. It was another farmer there who had them in her bouquets and it was this gorgeous deep yellow and it was blooming at a time when there was nothing else that color. It was kind of like the color of yarrow. Mm -hmm. You know that yellow yarrow mm -hmm. but a totally different flower shape and I so coveted hurting. it so hard and she dug up a clutch. She's like, oh it grows wild around this shed of mine. And I was so jealous. And I'm like, oh could I have a little piece of it? And it seemed so precious to me because I had tried to start Elstromeria from seed that I bought from a seed company. It was really hard, really mm -hmm. hard to get it started, hard to get the plants to establish. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a really hard plant to grow. And it, and I nursed these plants in pots for years until we finally moved to our permanent farm and I could plant them in the ground. And I remember like I had this section I was going to plant them out in and you were there and you were just looking at them and looking at me and saying, oh, Teresa, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, no, they're so beautiful. It's I really want this plant. And you warned me and I I went ahead with it. And man, I have some serious regret now. And it's so painful that I still love this flower. It is still beautiful. Yeah. It is everything. But this might just be its last year. And I may just have to do some radical, like cover it for several years and try and Good kill luck. it. Because here's the thing, it has spread and it spreads by its roots and it spreads by seed. It's a, it's a bulb, and, and when you're pulling that bulb, all kinds of little bulblets come off of it. It spreads from seed. It's, I, I have tried <laughs> in, in older gardens that I've come into where it's already established. Mm -hmm. You know, I've tried. 
get, getting it, rid of it. it. It's just you know, yeah. uh, like Scylla, you yeah. know, like like the um, yeah. the bluebells that can just cover a hillside, mm -hmm. or the the Chinese um, onion, mm -hmm. the white blooming onion that yep. we have here. They can just completely cover yeah. areas and it's impossible to get rid of them yeah. you know the only strategy that i've come up with is after they die back removing all the foliage and then being able to have some sort of annual mm -hmm. there you know yeah. amending the soil maybe making some mounds and letting myself have some annuals in those places um but yeah, I, I have I have both those things in an upper part of my garden i call it bee food now mm -hmm. And I'm trying to, I mean, the hard thing is like, it's in my farm beds. Yes. It's in beds that I need to turn over and, you know, replant with other things. And it's saying, no, it's a hard lesson. It was a really hard lesson. And so I, I think like, as we, as we're looking for plants to put in our gardens, I think it's just good. And on our farms, it's good to ask questions. And, you know, sometimes a plant that can be so beautiful, but it's like, you need to really think about it. And yeah, and thinking about giver and receiver also, mm -hmm. though, um, it's really good to ask questions about plants, look things up, really look at where they are thriving. Mm -hmm. Also, if you are the owner of that Alstrom area mm -hmm. or a, a number of things that Crocosmia. I, Crocosmia, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, you really want to let people know when you're when you're offering them starts of these yeah. plants. I think sometimes we get into this mindset of more is better and oh, this is great because it really spreads and that can be fantastic with annuals. Yeah, and easy with, to weed out things. And but... easy to weed out things, but with perennials mm -hmm. that are side runners, yep. with bulbs. Um, I, I would also say be cautious at plant sales. Yes. You know, there's a lot of plant sales that happen throughout the year. And, you know, with some of them, I think sometimes there's a reason why there's so many, like someone's been able to dig up so many plants and divide them and pot them up and offer them up for a plant sale. And it's because they have a lot of that plant mm -hmm. and there might be a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just good to ask questions and do some research before you put those in. I, I think about big vines as well. We've talked about hops. Yes. Oh, I yes. get asked about hops a lot. I was just asked the other the other day, I ran into the um, Astoria artist, Robert Pullman, in the parking lot over at the co-op, and he's like, I wanna ask you about growing hops. And I was like, oh, be careful. You know, because- It's so there, it's difficult a, to tell people though. You I mean, know, how they... do you say this will get 30 feet tall? And it, like, if you have a building you wanna cover, that might be a good plant, but other than that, I mean, and it and they need support. They definitely need support, or they will sprawl all over They'll the ground. They'll sprawl all over. They they really run. Mm -hmm. They're lots gonna, of suckers. It's very difficult to divide. Mm -hmm. um, I know I have some ornamental hops in in one of the commercial gardens, a golden hop, and it's gorgeous. But boy, it has just been very successful, and I have to go in and divide every other year mm -hmm. and it's a real physical labor and I think I as I'm getting older mm -hmm. <laughs> as we all are yeah. <laughs> um, I, I realize I just don't have that energy I know as a younger gardener plume poppy was another thing that I just love the um, Papa Beer uh, Mac mm -hmm. uh, 
I loved that. It was totally worth it to me to go in every single season and take it back to a certain footprint. Because it was so beautiful. Because it was so beautiful. I just don't think I have that kind of energy or space. That's the other thing. How big is your garden? Yeah. You know, if you have a, a city lot garden, there's just some of these plants that aren't maybe for you or, and, or you're going to be doing quite a bit of work yeah and it's ch it's challenging because even if someone can say to you well this is a vine that's very vigorous i think about you know my dear friend jane donnelly and and her hardy kiwi vines mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is also she and i've had long conversations about this because she's been they they planted hardy kiwi vines over this arbor that goes into their garden and it's a beautiful plant amazing branches cute little fruits it's not the big kiwi but the little kiwi berries but the roots of that plant have gone everywhere. Yeah. And they were yeah. all, they had a little fenced area with raised beds and they've just been redoing that area, take all the beds out, put new ones in. And that kiwi vine was everywhere yeah. underneath. Yeah. And they had to dig up so many roots to get it out. And you know, you know that like 10 years from now, they're just gonna all be back underneath there again. Mm -hmm. And it's such a cool plant, but at the same time, I would be very careful thinking about if you have a small city lot, is a hardy kiwi the right plant for you? Yeah. Because yeah. they're monsters. Yeah. And, and wisteria, we were talking about wisteria as well. That's one that can just... I mean, wisteria can exert, one tendril can exert 30 pounds of pressure. It if can you, tear your it, porch apart. It can tear your porch apart. It can tear your gutters off of your house. You yeah. Know? Especially with the vines, thinking about what's my structure? Mm -hmm. What's around it? You know, do I have a place that's got a concrete patio and there's like a little edge bed that's not next to a building mm -hmm. can, can I have a really good structure there and I'm going back in and I'm doing yearly maintenance on the pruning the wisteria is the same as the kiwi you know setting up spur systems pruning that back really taking the time to learn how to prune these things and doing it kind of on a regular basis unless you have 80 acres mm -hmm. that, that you can just let something go wild and go ahead and take over an entire tree or something which is going to eventually kill the tree exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's i think it's a thing where you know you drive past a house and you see this beautifully pruned wisteria blooming all along someone's porch and it's so gorgeous and you just think that's what I want. In my house you go to the nursery, you buy a little wisteria plant, you plunk it down right next to one of your porch posts yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then let it go and not realize that it can go up to the third story of a building like when I lived in England and we literally had to <laughs> rent ladders to get it. To get to prune to it? To get up to it, to bring it wow. down. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a monster. With a base, like. <laughs> I know. I'm, they, I'm making a foot a, a foot wide base, yeah. base with my fingers. And they can be so beautiful. And when you see one that has been really properly pruned, it's amazing. But it's, it's a, a commitment. It's a lot of work. It's, it's a, a commitment. Yeah. And, and this, this, you know, is it worth it? Is mm -hmm. that commitment worth it? What What is the plant going to be providing for habitat? Is it going to work with the plant community that you're trying to establish already? Mm -hmm. You know, there's some of with with perennials too that are real self sowers and moving around, or um, some of the running. I'm thinking of the ruby fens euphorbia. Yeah, that's oh, a role. You know, some of these things where 
you're just not going to have any other plants. <laughs> you're, you're making That's, a commitment to having a swath of... This one plant. This one plant. Yep. Um, you know, strategies. I've seen people use bamboo barrier where they, they've really trenched in. And, and put in a barrier and put to contain in a, a plant. A, a barrier to contain a plant, not necessarily bamboo, but I've seen people use it for. I've seen people use it for salal. Uh, you know, if I mean, they want, salal is if they want a hedge of that, oof. you yeah. know, and they wanted to stop it, mm -hmm. yeah, using the bamboo barrier. But that actually took a machine to like yeah. dig it out and put the barrier in. Well, and here's the thing too. I mean, because I do just to go back to my tragic Elsmeria. <laughs> Uh, planting, you know, I do have it, the main bulk of it has been fairly contained in this, like kind of a two foot wide bed along a fence and there's weed cloth on the outside of it and there's weed cloth on the other side of it. And the most of the plant is constrained in there, but then it has run in other places. Yeah. And so it's, it's escaped, but a lot of it is there. But what I'm noticing over the years is that I'm getting fewer and fewer flowers yes, because it's because more and more crowded. crowded and so what I really need to do is go in there and dig it out. Put and, it in your bathroom. And and divide it. The outdoor bathtub. I have an outdoor bathtub. Sorry, <laughs> I just, just realized just that. to clarify. <laughs> well, I mean that's an option, but it's it's one of those things where like this is another reason thinking about like, okay, do I want to divide this and then do what with it? Burn it or something? But you know, it's it's again diminishing returns. So even if you have a plant constrained like that, I guess what I'm trying to get at is at some point you're going to have to divide it or do something because the yes. roots will just yeah. start to strangle itself to death. And yeah. you, that, that beautiful plant that you loved is not going to be as lovely because it, it doesn't want to be constrained. Yeah. It wants to be free. Yeah. And, you know. And, and spread seeds a little bit farther along where it can have that beautiful blossoms <laughs> on the edge of the... Oh, my gosh. This year is going to be the year of trying to get rid of that plant. I feel like, I mean, I honestly, I feel like I planted morning glory on my farm. Yeah. I mean, think about Ugh. it. You know, we, we look at some of the plants that we deem invasive. Mm -hmm. um, Scotch broom. Uh, yeah. You know, Japanese knotweeds. These were things that were brought here as ornamentals. Yep. I know it's hard um, for, for sometimes for Ketoniaster. a reason. Uh -huh. Ketel, yeah, yeah, I mean it's Holly. it's amazing to me that yeah. the, these plants were introduced. Yeah, and now they're and everywhere. now they are everywhere. Um, and, and you know, these are plants that need to be managed. Yeah, we, I think about um, Budlia. Yes. Butterfly bush as a real example. I it took me a while to realize that that was actually on the invasive plant I, I list. I remember looking at it in England when I was living there, and it was on the invasive list there. And I thought, well, okay. And it was coming out of gutters, and it was it was everywhere. It was it's coming out of very opportunistic. And, yeah, yeah. And, but I don't feel like at that time here. You know, 20 years ago, I mm -hmm. don't remember thinking, oh, Budlia can really, I yeah. never saw it receding. I think it was still, now, yeah, I think it I was still it. kind of new and yeah. it was a newer plant. It was beautiful and it is beautiful and butterflies do love it. Lots of insects love it. And I, for me, I see so many old established ones and I just feel like, you know, if you don't want to get rid of it, you know, let it bloom, but then cut it, cut the flowers off. Don't is, let it go to exactly. seed. Exactly. And this is a great strategy with lots of things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, things that you maybe are not going to eradicate. Yeah. That you, but maybe you can get ahead of it by stopping the seed cycle. Yeah. You know, um, things that I, I know in the Doug Dewar book, he talks a lot about us all doing our, 
our due diligence with the knotweed by eating it, you know, and I've, I've read, oh, it's like rhubarb. And I actually just recently, um, Busu mm-hmm. in town had pickled uh, the Busu uh, Kenzo. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little walk-up yeah. uh, Japanese restaurant. Influenced. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, he had pickled. He had pickled knotweed. He had pickled knotweed, and I tried it, and it was fantastic. You know, yeah. I thought of it as a rhubarb substitute, and I'd just gone to sweet. But seeing him pickling it and very tasty. Mm-hmm. It's know, the new shoots. It's the new which shoots. Is, yeah, so there that, we go. If you take off the new shoots. You're really knocking back the plant. Maybe there won't even be a bloom cycle. Yeah. And if, I mean, it's one of those things that you'll probably never get rid of it, but you can wear it down mm-hmm. and wear that patch down. And yeah, I think just trying to find alternatives and other ways of dealing with things. You know, it, if if you can prevent the regret before it yes. happens, that's yeah. always good. Which is why I think, you know, I'm just trying to say, if you're looking to introduce new plants into your garden... Just do some research and and really think about how big does it, what's its mature size? Language, language on tags. If you see things like prolific. Yeah. uh, Easily (laughs) naturalizing. I know. know. Or just think about how big that's going to get. There's times when I'll drive past someone's garden and I'll see like smack in the middle of their lawn. They've put in a new tree and it's like, oh, that's a Western red cedar tree that you've just planted in your little urban lot. Do you know how big those trees get? It's like go out into the forest and look around at some of those trees and look at their mature size. Yes, and, and here in the Pacific Northwest, too, it's like you can read a mature size. Mm-hmm. Double that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we have so much rain here. We have, you know, a, a very mild climate here, and things are often reaching a, a, a much larger size than what they're saying on the tags. Because who knows where that was actually propagated and grown. I mean, nursery stock can come from so many different places. A lot of it does come from Oregon, but a lot of it can come from other parts of the country, from California. How that plant might behave in some other place is different from how it might behave mm-hmm. here. And that's where it's hard, you know, when you're introducing a new species, a new plant to an area, you don't know how it's going to behave. There's how it behaved in its native environment. Even even in microclimates mm-hmm. here, you know, even yeah. in different parts of your property or, yeah. or your girlfriend's property that's off in a, you know, out 202 compared to, you know, some other part of, of the city. Yeah. Are you close to the ocean? Are you up in the hills? How cold does it get? All those things are going to affect how well a plant grows and how enthusiastic it can produce and reproduce and spread. <laughs> but they're just things to be cautious of. And, you know, I, I guess I always like to try and pass on, you know, my cautionary yeah, <laughs> tales and just same. say, be careful. Be careful when you're introducing new plants. Really think about it. Think about where you're planting it. Think about what you want it to be. Think about the commitment to it. And I think that was something that you talked to about, like, how much time are you willing to spend in your garden? How much time are you willing to spend with this plant, mm-hmm. pruning it and training it? Or do you have the money to hire someone to prune it and train it properly so that it will be that beautiful wisteria on your porch or that beautiful tree that you know maintains a good shape and doesn't overwhelm? Mm-hmm. Those are just things to think about. Um, also, you know, when you are talking to established gardeners, listening to, mm-hmm. to what they're 
Putting you, I always feel like the doom gloomer, you yeah. know, and even even little weeds like the Herb Robert geranium, where mm -hmm. I warn people, and I just I just recently had a client say to me, "Oh, you are so right. It's taken over everything. I can't. And it's a I don't, sweet little. It's, a, it's it's so cute, and I understand. You know, I understand that yeah. feeling of like not I'll, wanting to. Pull I'll just leave something. one or two. Oh, I'll just leave one over here. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, you know, none of her annuals can come through at this mm -hmm. point because it's just formed a carpet. It yeah. is everywhere. Yeah, and you have to think about it. Violets. Yeah. Violets are so beautiful, and they're just beautiful little purple flower. They're blooming. You know, the spring blooms. They're just lovely. Edible. Just such a, so much... such a good food source. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that is one that I've weeded out a lot. That just recently, there's some places in some gardens mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, go for it. Yeah. You can do it. But but that's the thing. If you have the right place, if there is a spot where it's like, I'm just going to let it go here, and that's just what that's what the ground cover is going mm -hmm. to be, mm -hmm. that's great. Um, but then thinking about, but not maybe in the middle of an annual bed that you're or your vegetable garden right. or someplace where you're trying to rotate plants or where you've got a bunch of other plants that you want to have survive, but maybe they're not quite so assertive, mm -hmm. and they're going to get crowded out by this one kind of bully. Yeah. Yeah, Which, and that's that's the thing, the bully. That is a very good, that's a term I've used a lot. You know, if if, if they're not going to play well with the other plants, mm -hmm. yeah. if they're not going to form a community in a, in a way that actually works, yeah. if someone's going to take up too much <laughs> space and too many resources, yeah. sometimes you just got to say, uh-uh, you're not invited to the party. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, or disinvite them. <laughs> well, and I mean, and that's the thing. I, I, you know, probably every gardener you talk to has some tale of try, of like some plant. Maybe you planted it, maybe you inherited it, but you have spent an, an awful lot of time trying to get rid of it, digging it out. Ladies' mantle, oh. alchemilla, which I mean, it's I, so beautiful. I love that plant, and I will mm -hmm. keep growing that plant. Do I have any of that plant in my home garden? Yeah. No. You know, I just can't, the way that it chunks out, the way it spreads from seed, and it is a gorgeous plant, mm -hmm. but, but you really need the right space for it. Absolutely. And I, it, it's good if you can walk around and look at other gardens, look at how plants behave in other gardens. You know, if you're at a nursery and you're asking questions about a plant and the staff don't know, you know, maybe pause and, you know, write down the name and go look it up when mm -hmm. you get home. Yeah. Ask around. Does it? Do you know anybody else who grows it? How does it behave in their garden? Because I think that sometimes, you know, again, we we can be so attracted to a plant, and just really want it. And and you know, as I can absolutely attest to my story in the beginning, where Jessica told me, "Don't be careful. Don't plant that plant." And I was like, "No, it's so pretty. I want it." Sometimes and now, we just have to learn, though. And I, I mean, for yeah. me, like I, I work with so many different gardeners and the mm -hmm. same with you where you're talking to people about plant material a lot sometimes people just have to learn their own lesson yeah it's true it is true and i'm you know and you you too will have your horror stories to share yeah. <laughs> your cautionary tales and your bad breakups and yeah. the oh why did i plant that plant it took me three seasons of forking and mm -hmm. sifting and you know i know people that have actually um, made screens to sift soil in their garden to get out scylla bulbs or ostromeria bulbs. Yeah. 
and then they still come back. Yeah, I know. It's a painful thing. And I know, and I know better now, and I wish I didn't because the reason I know better is because I've got this monster that I planted. Yeah. So it's it's just something to think about and ask around and, you know, be careful of in our gardens. You know, just think about, it's so exciting to buy new plants and it's so exciting to put them in. Research can be really exciting too, though. Like yeah. it, it can be really fun to research things and really yeah. take your time making introductions. Yeah. I do know that feeling, though, that plant lusty feeling. Well, you just get so excited. Or maybe you see a picture of it, or you're watching a garden mm -hmm. show, and you're like, oh, I really want that. That's so cool. And then you plant it, and you're like, wait, why do I really want this? I think about that sometimes with um, monkey puzzle trees. Yes. Which yeah. are, it's a really cool plant, but it should be like in a botanical garden that you can look at it from a distance. Because it's, they get big. They're, they're very pokey. Very, very pokey. When you when you remove limbs, you you want to take them home, and they're very pokey. Yeah, yeah. Just speaking from experience. <laughs> yes. I just always think about it as like, would you plant a tree covered with razor blades in your front yard? Because kind of what you're doing, you know. And it's they're really hard to they're really hard to prune, which is maybe why they all get so big. Because, yeah, they, and they leak a sap when you yeah. when you do prune. Them I mean, they are really cool. Yeah. It is a, an unusual novelty tree, and yet. Mature sizes, though. Drip line, mm -hmm. thinking about drip line, thinking about mature height sizes, thinking about how plants are moving, how they are spreading, mm -hmm. um, thinking about little cuties that show up in your garden, and who are they actually? Yep. And where did you come and from? And where did you come from? Um, thinking about things like the, I think about the Mexican feather grass, Tenonisima, which I, I love and it's beautiful, but boy, I see that seeding everywhere and I'm actually removing it from quite a few gardens. I would hate to because see that. Of that. I would hate to, we are right on a waterway. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's something to think about too. If you are close to the water um, and that everything that we have here in town is, you know, going down to washing the water, down into washing the river. down into the river. And, and do we seeds. want to be responsible mm -hmm. for that grass? you know, was spreading like wildfire through a... Well, and there are so many plants that spread through waterways. I mean, knotweed is one, yes. policeman's helmet. Oh, that's Yes. A, oh, gosh, that impatient. I actually grew that when I first moved here. I know. Oh, I know. my mom it's a, gave starts it's a beautiful, to me. It's a beautiful impatient, and oh, man. Yeah. I mean, so much regret when you see what it, how, how invasive and yes. how spready it is. It's like purple loose strife. Yes. It's so much out in the estuaries. The the yellow flag iris. At Oof. least these are these are places that we can if we cannot get in there and remove remove seed heads. Yeah. And this is something that I'm doing more often when I'm hiking um, or or walking on waterways or hiking. I am I'm pulling small broom plants. I'm I'm cutting loose strife. Mm -hmm. You know, where I have it in some of my gardens that are down on the river. Yeah. I'm pull I'm I'm, I'm chopping it. Yeah. I'm chopping before it. To, it flowers before it flowers. Before it flowers to make sure, or once it's flowered, way before it's going into the seed cycle. Yeah. And you're just going to, it's a way of reducing. I mean, a lot of these plants, like you said, we just have to accept them. They're here. We're probably going to, you're going to be in a long-term relationship with this plant and in our environment, in our communities, but we can at least reduce and contain their kind of 
bullying behavior, their kind of spready, invasive assertiveness. Yes. And, you know, I don't want to be the vector for any of those plants. I will never give someone a start of this Alstermeria. I won't. I just won't. I I would never do it because... And I wish I'd known. And, you know, I think maybe if it was just growing wild in a part of my farm and it was contained in that sense, that's fine, but it's not. And when you are giving people starts of other perennials, think about what is in your soil. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You know, I I have gotten plants from friends in Brownsmead and then had that pop up and immediately got in there and dug out like a two square foot and yeah. sipped it and got those bulbs out because I knew what that could do. But it's so, I mean, just be careful. Yeah. I guess that's all I'm saying. Be careful, be cautious. Be curious. <laughs> curious, <laughs> but cautious. I know, think before you plant. Um, research, research twice before you dig that hole and commit to that plant. Because, um, you you know, you don't want to regret. Oh, Teresa, thank uh, you for this combo. I, so is, I feel like we've had therapy and it's been great. It's just a good We barely to, scratched I know. the surface. But it's good to process and it's good to talk about. Happy so, gardening, everybody absolutely, out yeah, there. Absolutely, but, but be careful. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>